I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 218. Guess what? I got something to talk about. Oh, God. And guess what it is? Um, Patreoners! Okay, well, that's not what I was going to talk about, but we can do that. Well, thank you so much, Sydney A. from Indiana. Rebecca P. from South Carolina. Audra L. from Ohio. And Caitlin A. from Washington. Y'all, they are getting an episode a week. Extra. Do you know how many people have said in the Facebook group, Oh my god, I'm almost caught up. What am I going to do? Uh, join Patreon. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> well, that's what we'd like you to do. <laughs> I mean, it would make us happy. And we hope it would make you happy. Yeah, you'd help us out. You scratch our back. We scratch yours. We give you an episode a week. I use two hands when I scratch a back. I mean, she goes for it. So if you want all of those extra episodes plus bloopers, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay, what I was going to say is I have a TV show. (laughs) Of course, that's all I talk about. If y'all could have seen my face, I thought it was going to be something good, something serious. No, that's why I was like, and guess what it is? I didn't hear that part. You said Patreoners. Oh, that's why I didn't hear that part. Oh my God. Have a best friend, they said. What what TV show have you been watching, Donna? Donna, what TV show are you talking about? Thank you. Oh, Lord. Thought I was a solo host here. So it's on Hulu and it's called Candy. And it's based on a true crime case that happened in Texas. I had never heard about this case, but it's like well known. I just never heard about it. But it's got Jessica Beale, Justin Timberlake in it. Of course they're together. Yes. Uh but not it's not like together, together. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I just feel like who got the I mean, she got the like lead role. So does she just say, and can you get a role for him too? Nepotism at its finest. <laughs> but he really is a good actor. I didn't say that. But I'm just saying. But anyway, so it's a housewife in Texas, and she's like, you know, Miss Social Butterfly, Sally Homemaker kind of person, and she's charged with murder. Murder. Yes. And it's, seriously, it's so good. But I think it's going to come on another, maybe HBO Max later from a different thing. Like, this is candy, but then it's going to come, same case, different actors later too i don't know apparently this case is a hot ticket right now because why did they make two different ones same year but whatevs anyway hulu it's called candy also another thing mexican pizza is back at taco bell okay you know i never ate that so that's the only thing i ate besides nacho bell grandes but i just haven't loved those in a while and so my mom always got mexican pizzas and so she got me hooked on them but then when they did like their whole revamp, they took away Mexican pizzas. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about y'all's Taco Bell, but ours, you're stuck there. Like, you can't go out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, once you're in the drive-thru line, you're you're not yeah. going anywhere. And so I was like, me- 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 Mexican pizza? Can I get a Mexican pizza? Because, you know, sometimes my eyes just, like, skim yeah. over something. And they're like, oh, we no longer have that. And I was like, but I don't really like Taco Bell. I just like the Mexican pizza. Be- uh... And that was like dollar menu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what can I get for the dollar thing? Uh, this weekend, I'll be going to my nephew Dawson's high school graduation. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know what? Why didn't I think about this? Him and my youngest niece, Claire. Are the same age? Same I don't age. know. I know. I didn't realize it until this year. Never knew. <laughs> Whoa. Also, I'm kind of dreading that not the graduate. Well, I'm dreading the graduation because of the location. It's on the fucking football field. That Hers was too. 
Yeah, but when my nephew Kyle graduated and it was on the football field, it was the very first year of COVID. So you literally stayed in your car until it was like your turn. And then you got to just like walk over there, watch him walk across the stage and leave. Like start to finish, it was an hour. That's amazing. And so that's what I'm wanting. I do not want to sit at a hot football field. Oh God. And it's a big school. <laughs> like he's probably graduated with like 500, I would say. Oh my gosh. Ah. Anyway, but I am super excited for him. Well, at least his name's in the back. Yeah. Ours is in the front. So it'd be like all these other people like, ugh. I know. It's like, can we just go now? <laughs> hey, peace. Glad y'all did it. Bye. Yeah. Congratulations. But uh, see ya. All right. Well, you know me and I love TV. So I'm doing a story from Celebrity Ghost Stories, the TV show. And the story I'm covering centers around Jordan Ladd. It's from season four, episode 10, and she is best known for Cabin Fever, Club Dread, Hostel Part 2, and Grindhouse. But I know her as Gibby, the dark-haired girl of the trio of cool girls in Never Been Kissed. Like, she normally has blonde hair, but... She was a brunette in this one, but I didn't know her until I looked at IMDb and I was like, Gibby, never been kissed. I know her. (laughs) She grew up with famous parents living the Hollywood lifestyle, I guess you could say. But something that really wasn't discussed much was the paranormal. Her parents might have had stars in their eyes. Why the fuck did I write this? But they didn't really believe in the afterlife. They were more, you know, rational thinkers. And that rubbed off on Jordan. She just really never gave the paranormal world much thought. She was busy trying to build her acting career and, you know, whatnot. But summer of 2004 would change everything she thought she knew about this world and the possibilities in it and in the afterlife. At this time, she lived with her boyfriend, Michael, in New York. Well, his parents had just bought an older home in New Jersey, so her and her boyfriend went to his parents for the weekend and to check out the home. Jordan said it was truly beautiful and was filled with lots of charm and character. They spent the day together and finished the day by eating dinner and then playing some cards downstairs. And that sounds like a fucking lovely day, but... You know, all the family stuff, it's kind of exhausting. So Jordan and Michael went upstairs to their room, got ready for bed, and it didn't take too long for both of them to pass out. However, in the middle of the night, Jordan woke up to something hitting her in her forehead. And it wasn't like hitting her hard. It was just like something falling onto her forehead from above. She felt it with her fingers and then looked at her hands after and she was like, I think this is like plaster or something from the ceiling. So she looked and she was like trying to focus her eyes and she could see a little hole in the ceiling. And beyond that, she saw some shadows moving back and forth. So she didn't really know like what the shadows were, but it was obvious that there was movement behind the hole. So now she's freaking out because she believes there's, you know, like a creeper looking at her from a peephole that he just made in the attic. So she, of course, tries to wake Michael up beside her, but he's sound asleep. Finally, he, you know, roused up a bit and he's like, yo, babe, this is an old house. That quote just cracked me up when she said it because I'm like, yeah, yo, babe. But anyway, he essentially reasoned it away and it made sense to her. She's like, yeah, you're right. This is an old house. Plaster might have just fallen down some and, you know, whatever. But what if someone's really up there? Like, 
Oh my gosh. And so she finally persuaded her boyfriend to go upstairs, check it out, and just see if some perv is up there. Of course, he didn't find anything. He's like, there's nothing to worry about. He rolls over, falls back asleep because, you know, some people just walk in the light that way. Jordan, on the other hand, could not sleep for a bit, just mulling everything over in her mind. But eventually, at some point, she did fall asleep. The next morning, Michael told his parents about what happened last night to Jordan, and they all kind of poked fun at her, you know, being scared. Like, you know, they they just pointed out the same stuff. It's an old house. It's rickety. It's going to make some noise. The paint may chip. You know, sorry you had a rough night, but no one else is in here. You know, this is, it's all been checked out. It's good. They all reason it away because again, they're rational people. They go about their breakfast and they have another lovely day together. But that night, same thing happened. Jordan woke up from the feeling of the plaster hitting her on the forehead. She looked up to the ceiling and there's that hole in it again. But this time she just had a feeling that someone was looking down from that hole. Like someone was watching her. But then all of a sudden she noticed that no, she's not feeling that someone's watching her from the hole. She's feeling that someone's in the room with her watching her. So she kind of just like sat up in bed, not like fully like whoosh, like did like a, I don't know, a crunch, whatever you active people do. But she just kind of sat up like on her elbows a little bit and peeked around. And that's when she saw a man in the corner of the room. He was kind of like in a suit looking at her and she's freaking her freak because, oh my God, someone is in the room with them. But even though she's freaking out, she couldn't do anything. She's paralyzed and like she's in that position that she was on the bed, laying completely still. She couldn't take the eyes off of this man. She had this overwhelming sense of fear that if she moved at all, she would get hurt. But then as quickly as it all started, the man was gone. He just vanished. Jordan immediately tried to wake up Michael. Again, he just kind of brushed her off and said, you know, go back to sleep, whatever. So Jordan laid there trying to figure out what had happened. And unfortunately, she did not get any sleep that night. Well, when Michael woke up that morning, Jordan told him everything and, you know, really confessed to him like, no, I am scared. I was scared to death last night and you you know, couldn't be bothered enough to wake up and console me, you know, and I'm confiding this in you and you're not understanding. Well, he again kind of dismissed her a little bit, but he was like, don't leave. Don't go back to New York. Like, just stay here for the next day. So she was like, okay, well, let's go check the attic again. Like, I want to see with my own eyes, but of course I'm not going up there by myself. So like, let's go. So they both go up there And in that attic, it's predominantly wood walls and stuff, but there was this one little bricked off corner. It looked kind of like too shabby to be shabby chic, like the mortar was really badly laid and just kind of sloppily done. But it's an attic, so who would really care? Right. Unless you're some creepoid that's living in the attic. (laughs) And you're like, I'm sorry, I didn't approve this veneer. Veneer, whatever it is. (laughs) But yeah, so like, obviously, it didn't even stick out to his parents when they looked at this house or anything. But it's because Jordan was having these weird things happening to her that she's more like, that looks weird and odd. And like, why is it bricked in this wooden room? So, well... 
then when they were just kind of like looking at it and thinking about where they were in the room, that brick wall was right above where their bed was, just a floor below. So it was kind of like too coincidental to be a coincidence. So now Michael's more inclined to believe that something's going on here. Something's odd. And he asked his dad about the wall and his dad was like, hey, I have the blueprints. So let's just see if it's on there, what they say, you know, before we go and mess with something, because it could have been fucking like asbestos in there or something. You know, like you don't want to, you don't want to fuck with something. Well, of course, the wall wasn't on the blueprints. Convenient. So now they were all involved in this and they decided they would tear the brick wall down to see what was behind there because it's also claiming up space that was clearly attic space to begin with. And it's not like a heater or anything that needs to be kept there. So they broke the wall down and again, it was like kind of poorly done. So it wasn't just like a really hard task, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, then the boyfriend was like, shit, something's in there. They put the flashlight on it, and it's a skeleton. (gasps) And there's a revolver with him. And the man was dressed kind of like the man who was in her room the night before. So Jordan was like, okay, bye. I'm out. This is too much. And she went to New York. But the boyfriend and his family were obviously now invested because, hello, this is their house. And also, they felt bad for not believing her because... Clearly, she was experiencing something. Well, they alerted the police. They came, did an investigation, and turns out that the remains was of a man who was a lover to one of the women who was the owner of the house at one point. And the story that was told to everyone was that this man died at sea. And it was a crime that never got solved because no one even knew that a crime had taken place. This girl done solved a crime. (laughs) Right? Jordan doesn't know why he chose her, but she knows that he needed the truth to come out. Now, if you remember, there was another show that would follow up these celebrity ghost stories, and it was called The Haunting of dot dot dot. Well, I'll watch that too. And this is from season four, episode five. It's where the celebrity returns to the haunted place with Kim Russo, a psychic. Well, Kim gets to the location first by herself, and when she got there, she said she could sense, like, kind of a lineup of spirits, and there is an older man, a younger man, and when she got out and was just looking outside the house, she said, there's a stained glass window right here, and it was kind of, like, it was obviously on an upstairs part, she was like, it's sticking out to me for something, I don't know, that's important. And she said the house went under many different owners and she was sensing something happened in the basement. Kim also was getting something about cartoons or someone who drew cartoons when she looked at the house. So she waited for Jordan to arrive and they would enter the house together. Well, Jordan did come and when they entered, Jordan said she didn't feel a welcoming feeling in the house and you know, still they were just trying to get a feel for the place. But so it wasn't just like that looming doom but it just wasn't like oh this is a nice place like you know you you walk in and it's like oh yeah I love this I feel at home here it wasn't that yeah I was just about to say oh this is home yeah it wasn't that there was a male spirit that Kim picked up on around Jordan and she was like this spirit feels like it's not from the house this is a spirit that's around you and she was like hey do you have a grandfather who's passed and who lived in Texas. Well, Jordan was like, okay, so he didn't live in Texas. He died in California, but his entire family 
just moved to Texas. So it was kind of like a nod for him to say, I see that they went to Texas and I like, like I see that, you know? Well, Kim asked also if he was a train conductor because he was wearing a conductor hat and he was a train conductor. The grandfather brought up the name Brian and that is Jordan's stepdad who's been having health issues. And Kim said that, you know, this grandfather is watching over her stepdad. Can I just say, if I have to wear my fucking work uniform in afterlife, <laughs> that's some fucking bullshit. I don't think he was dressed like that. I think he just had, like, the conductor hat on. And maybe that was just what he wore. Maybe. I'm just saying, though. <laughs> well, you love scrubs. I mean, I don't want to wear them all the time, every day, even in death. <laughs> what do you want to wear in death? I don't know. Uh, pajama pants and socks and oh, shirts. Oh, God. Okay, so... They had a really nice moment down there, and it was all good because Jordan was kind of leery about opening herself up to Kim, but this was kind of a way to validate her and, you know, just help her be more at ease about this whole situation. Well, in the same conversation is when Kim connected the cartoons. So Michael, Jordan's ex-boyfriend, whose parents still live in this house, he draws, animates, does voiceovers and stuff. So there was that connection there. Anyway, so when they're in the house, Kim got a pole to go upstairs and both her and Jordan started to feel anxiety as they climbed the stairs. And guess what is at the landing part of the stairs? That stained glass window. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so Kim was like, that could actually be a portal into the house. Well, then Kim picked up on another older man's spirit, but not her grandfather. Uh, and she thought his name was John. And he kept telling her, like, this is my house. This belongs to me. And so she said he looked like he was from a different century and she was feeling a heaviness in her chest. They went up to the room that Jordan had her experience in and Jordan was telling Kim what happened and Kim stopped her and said, no, you do have someone watching you right now. It's a man, but it's not the same man who is like that John guy, the possible owner uh, that she contacted earlier. She believes this man to be younger, but they could be connected somehow. Kim said that she believed this young man's name to be George. And a little later, she said that she heard George say that his father was his downfall or what held him down. And he was put in an asylum by a false charge of his father. So she's connecting George and John together. So a little later, Kim was bringing up the basement and she said that she was being pulled there. And Jordan was like, Okay, so I've seen something there too. Well, they go down to the basement and they're both super anxious and stuff. And Kim's hair started having static electricity, like looking like alfalfa. And she was like, I think this is the surplus of in energy. But it was just so funny because like, yeah, she has like blonde hair and it's kind of big. But then it was just like sticking straight up like mine does in the sunroof. <laughs> like I was like, girl, I feel you on that. But mine's not supernatural. It just needs some super hold hairspray, you know? But Jordan told the story of the basement experience. She said that her and Michael were down in the basement, and you guessed it, doing laundry. It's the only thing to do down there. Ugh. And run from ghosts and demons. <laughs> 
Well, she felt like someone was watching them, so she turned around and she saw a man standing in the corner. Kim said that she was picking up on that older man again, John, and she said that he seemed to be into some shady stuff. So what she gathered is that he had made a lot of money and kind of had a name about town because he had like helped build the town, like build up the town and stuff. But he was, you know, in the underbelly of it too. She said that he kept saying, like, I came from nothing and I made something of myself. So she thinks he kind of got greedy, like he was poor, got rich, and then needed more money and more money and more money. And so... My money, my problems. Exactly. But so he would do some dirty deeds in this basement and, you know, all the things. Well, it seemed that George took the fall for a lot of his father, John's, wrongdoings. But she said that he did not die with dignity because people found out that he was corrupt in the end. And in this episode, they showed that a John H., in 1891, was removed from his position as president of an equity firm that he worked for because of some financial wrongdoing, and then he died a year later. So they're saying that that's the same person, but I again, they just had the like H as a last name, so I really couldn't do a lot of digging on it. But she didn't like really pick up on the spirit that was watching her the first time, like that one that obviously the skeleton and stuff, but obviously we're thinking he passed, you know, like his Mm -hmm. body was found. That's now been like, Hey, you know, I'm dead. My job here is done. Right. I'm finally going to be able to rest. But this time Jordan came back and she said, you know, at that point when she was with Michael, she was going through a lot of crap and just like not really sure of herself and stuff. And, and when she returned with Kim, she was about to turn 40 And she was just like, it's coming at that point where it's like, okay, I have to be an adult now. I need to be more sure of myself. I need to start sticking up for myself. I need to start doing all these things. But she was still so unsure of everything. And her and this George guy that Kim was picking up on, they seemed to have a lot of commonality, you know, where George felt like, He really wasn't heard a lot that his dad, you know, just kind of like he got his voice taken away by his dad and not necessarily what happened to her, but because she said that she tries to like be the neutral party in everything. She tries to make sure everyone else is taken care of that she's kind of by the wayside, you know, and she doesn't, you know, self care and all of that. And she was just like, I'm I'm turning 40. I don't want to be that person anymore. My life needs direction. And she was just saying that she thinks that, again, this experience was completely different from the beginning, but she wanted to take on this thing that had scared her. And because she left this house and was like, I'm done. But now she's facing that. And she's like, I'm growing up. I'm facing my fear. And she came back and she got like a reassurance of yeah, I have to speak for myself. I have to stand up. I can do this. I'm strong. And then her grandfather had came forward, you know, and gave her that reassurance and stuff. And so it was just like a really sweet moment with that. So like she had a scary paranormal encounter, but then also a really sweet one at the end. But that is about Jordan Ladd, who apparently solves crimes 
at night. I don't know. Well, hell, it sounds like she got like life closure. Yeah. I mean, I want to grow like that. I know. I'm like, Kim Russo, can you help me? I mean, okay. See, here's my problem. I don't want to go through the hard part. I just want to grow <laughs> as a human. Uh-huh. I definitely don't want to see a ghost and be scared. That's for sure. <laughs> Well, before we get into my story, Jinx is back. <gasps> Jinx! We didn't even practice that. Can you tell? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, I know we always talk about how awesome the toppers are and the food, too. Like, the food, period, is amazing. But just, like, how much our dogs love the little toppers. But, okay, they have these tenders that are, like, treats, but they call them tenders. And they're kind of like a, like a jerky for the dogs. And... Let me just tell you, when I pull that bag out for mm-hmm. Jax, drooling. <laughs> ew. I drooling. mean, yes, but ew. Specifically, he really loves the chicken and sweet potato jerky, but he loves it. And they have these dental chews that help with like freshening their breath, fighting plaque, build up, you know, all the shit that makes you know, a dog's breath be stanking. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Jax loves those two yeah marley's already went through all of her treats i mean hashtag spoiled i was gonna say that's a lot (laughs) she gets a lot of treats okay see jacks doesn't get that many treats so when he does get them he is like mouth watering that is hilarious well like kara said they are obviously dog approved by our two pups but we know that they are made from really good for them food and Marley has such bad skin issues. I mean, hello, just like her mama, me. But normally she will dig herself raw. She has not been having that problem, y'all. And this pollen has been real bad. So she's had a few little spots. But since I've changed her food to Jinx, she has not been digging like hot spots into herself or anything like that. That's because Jinx is clean food and treats designed specifically for dogs. Each recipe has easy to digest proteins with probiotics for gut health and 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if that's not enough for you, they even have a program called Give Bark where every purchase provides a meal for a dog in a shelter. So if you want to support Jinx and this podcast, head on over to thinkjinx.com slash creep and you will get 15% off your first two orders. Look, I've already made my first two orders because Marley is obsessed. I literally just said to Donna before we started recording, I was like, I've got to order some more toppers for Jax. <laughs> so go to thinkjinx.com slash creep for 15% off your first two orders. That's T-H-I-N-K-J-I-N-X dot com slash creep. C-R-E-E-P. And if it's Marley and Jax approved, you know it's good. <laughs> Okay, y'all, I'm back to my old ways. I got a recommendation from the Facebook group from Haley R. Back to your old ways. You've been doing recommendations left and right. Wait, is this a fucking kid and a parent? You you do those incest ones. I don't do incest. (laughs) I said the incest ones. So you know who recommended it. But I'm going to tell you that there is this blog called Chilling Crimes. So the Chilling Crimes blog had a ton of information on this case that I really didn't find anywhere else. And look, this is a case that has been on 
many different shows and all of that. It's a well-known case. So I'm sure that there are other places. I mean, clearly they had to have had references for it. But anyway, this is a really good site. So it has some cool cases and all of that. So I really recommend going to it. But this is the story of Maddie Clifton. So on November 3rd of 1998, Maddie, who was just eight years old, was going out to play outside at her house just outside of Jacksonville. So after Maddie got home from school and she did all the after school things you do, you know, homework, snacks, all the things, her mom let her go outside to play. Now, it's 1998. You go outside, you play with the neighbors. You know, your mom doesn't really know exactly where you are, but like, you know, they know your parents know that you're out in the neighborhood playing with the neighborhood kids. And, you know, you just got to be home in time for dinner. It's just what you did back then. Well, Maddie that day went to her neighbor's house. They were going to just hit some golf balls. So she had to go back to her house to get some golf balls. So Maddie had been at the house of Joshua Phillips. So Josh was a neighbor who lived with his parents If this is the story, I'm thinking about my blood's already boiling. It is. I'm telling you, it's the story you're already thinking of. So, like I was saying, Josh lived down the street with his parents, and he didn't have that great of a life. His dad, Steve, was very, very strict. And not just strict, he was violent towards Josh and Josh's mom, Melissa. Steve, the dad, had lots of rules about who could be in and out of the house, and he did not want any other kids to come over to the house if he wasn't there or had given explicit permission. And it said that the more he drank, the more he became violent, the more he was, you know, like, I don't want these kids around my house kind of thing. So at the time, Josh was 14 years old. He was a ninth grader, didn't really do, I mean, was kind of mediocre at school, like C average, you know, and was well-liked by everybody. So Maddie is over at his house playing. Well, at about 6.20 that night, Maddie's mom calls her and her sister in to come in for dinner, but there's no Maddie. So her mom starts to ask around to the neighbors, like, have you seen her? You know, she's been out here playing. Like, do you know where she is? And all of the neighbors didn't know where she was. So they start looking and looking and they can't find her. So by 6.33, her mom had called 911. Me, as a parent. Yeah, but it, she did the right thing because mm-hmm. from there, literally all hell broke loose. There were hundreds, and one place even said a thousand volunteers that started over the coming days looking for Maddie. And she was nowhere to be found. And this became a media circus because it was this eight-year-old girl who just literally went out to play and never came home. So it made not only local news, but it made national news too. The police came in and questioned all of the neighbors to see if they knew where Maddie was, if they had seen anybody around talking to her. And no one had any tips as to what could have happened to Maddie. That's so scary when... She literally just vanished. I know. And it's like this eight-year-old child. I mean, I just cannot imagine not knowing where your child is. No. And again, no one saw anything. So nothing was out of the ordinary because people were outside. So that makes it even more scary because you're like, shit, what happened? Where is she? After Maddie had been missing for seven days. Her parents were out on the street and had just finished taping an interview 
with a morning show to, of course, like plead for their daughter. And again, remember, this is a media circus. So there's people all around. The police are out there because they're, of course, supporting them in this outcry for help if anybody had seen anything. When all of a sudden, this neighbor comes running out of her house and tells police that she just found Maddie's body. She said that she had been in her son's room when she noticed that his waterbed was leaking. This is it. This is a story. So she looked to see if it had a hole in it, if it needed to be patched. And when she pulled back the mattress, she smelled the undeniable smell of a body decomposing. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So she runs out to police who then come in to the house and when they pull back the mattress, they too are hit with that undeniable smell, but they see two socked feet sticking out. That just breaks my heart. And that bed was Joshua Phillips, the 14-year-old who had been playing with her the night that she went missing. So police immediately go to the school and arrest Joshua Phillips. So this is the part where I saw this a couple of places and because I feel like one thing I saw said that a neighbor had seen her talking to Joshua. So everything kind of makes it seem like it was what Joshua. But like, I think police kind of suspected him because a neighbor had seen them talking. And like, at first, the neighbor's gut instinct was this is weird, but then like kind of watched and then, oh, okay, they're just playing. But he's 14, she's eight. I don't know. It just feels weird. And it was weird enough that the neighbor was creeped out to be like, let me just watch this for a minute, you know? Yeah. And then another thing I read said that police had actually searched their house a couple of times. So, of course, they like had to wait on Joshua's dad to come home and all of that because he's like the leader of the house, blah, blah, blah. So they had to wait on him to come home. But they actually searched their like shop and the house a couple of times but the family had birds and so they thought that the smell that they smelled originally in the house when they did their search was the birds oh my gosh i remember them saying that like he was on the floor or something by his bed no he was sitting on his bed when police came in and did their search yeah and he sat on his bed having a conversation with police with Maddie underneath. Yeah, that, oh my gosh. That just is so freaking chilling. So Josh confesses. Uh, we go by Josh now. Um, Joshua, whatever. He, I don't care what he wants to be called. So this is what he tells police. He says that Maddie comes over and she's like, hey, do you want to play? And at first he's like, oh, well, my dad's not home. Like, I can't, I gotta ask him. But Maddie was, like, insistent, like, kept being like, come on, let's play, yada, yada, yada. So he said that he finally agreed and was like, okay, okay, let's play some baseball. Okay, so this is why I didn't know it at first when you said golf. Right. And Because I was like, no, I think they said baseball, the one I'm thinking of. Right. But then when you said it, I was like, no, this has to be it. And it is. And so, like I said, that Chilling Crimes, that I, that's the place where I saw that she went home to get golf balls 
So I think, too, like if that's part of the story, then her mom would be like, oh, she came home, got golf balls to go back over there to play, which is why I think that they were a little more honed in on him at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But they just had nothing. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's a 14 year old, too. It's like, okay, this is weird, but everything's cut. But he's a ultimately he's a 14 year old. And this is like 1998. This is this is kind of before. One of the articles was even talking about, you know, this is kind of a pre-Columbine thing where you just let your kids kind of do whatever. And it's like, so again, kind of a pre-Columbine where you're not expecting a 14-year-old to do this type of crime. Right. And to keep his composure with the police, like right there too. Him sitting on top. I would be sweating, but I would literally be puking. Me too. Like I get nervous belly, just like I gotta go to the store and I get nervous belly. Much less (laughs) if the police ask me a question, and I'm innocent. But if I did something wrong... I, oh, my gosh. Yeah. My stomach... Look, if I just think that a police officer is coming up on me with blue lights, my stomach falls out my ass. Same. Same. Meanwhile, this 14-year-old, stoic as fuck, sitting on a dead body. Oh, my gosh. So, what he says is that they're playing baseball, and he accidentally hit her in the face with the ball. I mean, been there playing ball in the yard and um my sister casey hit it to my my childhood best friend and neighbor named shannon and um she got a black eye uh my sister susan if you're listening to this you know what you did um (laughs) her and my sister Lori, they played softball i was never the athlete of the family uh my parents were old by the time they had me and they just were like go do your barbies but uh she was going to show me how to hit the ball with a bat and my cousin rusty was pitching and she was like stand behind me which this is why she should not be a coach but she was like stand behind me and watch how i swing this so of course me i gotta get close (laughs) you know i have no personal like oh this is too close no one told me but and you know i gotta watch like i need to see your mouth i need to see everything i need so i need to see how her hands were everything well she was like she was in it and when she swung that bat back it knocked the wind out of me because she hit my gut (laughs) Little Donna went down. <laughs> Little Donna did not play softball. <laughs> she said, you know what you did, Susan. Oh, God, that's funny. <sighs> I will never forget that. Uh-uh. I was like, nope, I don't want to play anymore. So he said that he hit her in the face with the ball, and she, of course, cried. He says she's crying, she's screaming, and he freaks out. Again, this is all according to Joshua. He freaks out and he's like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm not even supposed to have somebody over here. And now I've hit her and she's crying and she's screaming and my dad's going to come home and he's going to find her. And now she's hurt. Like, what the fuck am I going to do? And now this is kid logic. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So being scared, he takes her inside and she's like still screaming, crying. And he's like, just, just be quiet. Just be quiet. Like, it's going to be fine. And she's not getting quiet. So he starts to strangle her. But then he also hits her with a baseball bat to keep her quiet. So at this point, Maddie isn't dead. He puts her body underneath the waterbed. And he's trying to get all this done because he's got to get it done before his parents come home. He doesn't want to be in trouble because his dad's coming home and he's going to get a beating for having somebody over that he's not supposed to have over. Plus hurting her an eight-year-old at that but it didn't stop there after a while he goes back to his mattress and takes a knife and stabs her seven 
times. Oh my gosh. So Maddie is missing for seven days before Joshua's mom finds her. I mean, the FBI had gotten involved. They were offering $100,000 for anyone that could lead to them finding Maddie. One of the worst things to me is that Joshua actually helped in the search for Maddie, which we know that killers do sometimes. But like, you knew that she was under your bed. I know. Okay, now this is kind of a like a carry thought moment. But all right, I kind of don't understand this, like how he had her under his bed. Because every okay, I used to have a waterbed. My parents had a waterbed my whole life like they didn't get a regular mattress bed until i mean i slept on their bed before it was probably 2010 yeah like no joke had a water bed my whole life now their water bed was a king size and i want to say the one i had in my room that was a hand-me-down um was a queen size so obviously that's a lot of water to like pick up and move it was a bitch to change your sheets. Like, just to change your sheets, you got to pick that end up, slide it under. You know, it's really hard to change your sheets and all. Now, and then most water beds, well, everyone that I've ever seen, has like a solid wood bottom. Like, yeah. there's no under bed because it's like a wooden block, basically. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand how he got an eight-year-old body under that mattress and it not have like raised that mattress up where you could tell i don't know either but i every time i've heard this story i just chalk that up to i just don't know a lot about water beds but like i've had water beds and i don't understand and then like because i've heard this story on multiple podcasts Mm -hmm. and i'm like okay so did he put her like under the bed and like maybe his was like a regular bed underneath you know there wasn't like a a wooden frame like a platform yeah but my sister susan the one who you know hit me in the belly with the bat um she also had a water bed and hers was just like yours too yeah and so but when i was looking this up for this case everything said like the mom pulled the water bed mattress back to find her and then another website i looked at had like a diagram of the bed and it showed her like kind of in the fetal position at the like the foot of the bed so i guess if like when the police were there if he was sitting on one side it would have like pushed the water to that side so it would have been higher so like maybe they wouldn't think anything of it because it's like oh well the water's higher on that end because he's sitting on it like yeah you know it just looked natural so they wouldn't think anything of it yeah i I don't know. That part has always just been like, wait, I don't understand. But I've always been scared to puncture waterbeds. Oh, girl, preach. So I've never even like, I just try to like get in. I've only slept on two waterbeds, been on two waterbeds, your mom's uh-huh. and my sister Susan's, both only once <laughs> because I was like so scared. God, that was such good sleep. No, it wasn't. You don't know what's good. But also, I just think about, you know, he slept on that bed for all those nights. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just don't understand the logistics of it. And I know I'm, I'm getting hung up on shit that doesn't matter. But it also is just like, because, I mean, he did it. Like, I'm not second guessing right, right, him right. doing it or anything like that. I'm just like, no, I literally cannot wrap my head around this because it makes no fucking sense. 
Yeah, no, same. And it, then it didn't make sense to me either. And then also, I'm like, did your waterbed have a heater? Because if not, you were freezing your ass off. But did that make her like decompose more Ooh, quickly yeah. if the water was warm? I don't, I don't know. But like I said, he did confess, and even though he confessed, they did take it to trial. So I'm pretty sure his defense didn't even bring a witness at all. Now, the trial was moved outside of Jacksonville because this was such a sensational case that they were trying to give this kid as fair of a trial as possible. So, of course, the prosecution is seeking first-degree murder charges on him. And his defense is trying to talk about, hey, like, look, he was so abused by his father. He was terrified that he was going to get in trouble. It's almost like this is a terrible comparison, but it's almost like when a baby is like colicky or something and just crying and crying and crying and somebody shakes the baby to get them to stop crying and then the baby gets like shaken baby syndrome because it's like they wouldn't stop crying. You know, it's like they're just out of frustration. It's again, is it right? Fuck no, it's terrible. It's wrong. It's absolutely mm-hmm. the worst decision you could ever make. Yeah. But it's like, it's almost like that same logic in their brain. Like, I just couldn't get her, she, I just needed her to be quiet so I wouldn't get in trouble, so I strangled her. Yeah. And all he knows is violence. And so that's what he did. It's the after for me. That's what I was going to talk yeah. about. So the jury only deliberated for like two hours and found him guilty and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Now, in 2012, the Supreme Court ruled that it was considered unconstitutional to sentence a juvenile to a mandatory life sentence. So he became, Joshua became eligible for resentencing and he of course cried at his resentencing and said he regretted what he did psychologists testified that he was remorseful but the judge was quoted saying the way this murder and the surrounding circumstances rocked the victim's family and this community is unmatched in the modern history of jacksonville and he upheld his life sentence but it's able to be reviewed again in 25 years. So since he was sentenced in 1999, he is actually eligible for a review of his sentence in 2024. Oh, shit. That is just around the corner. Yes. But yeah, I'm like you. It's how it happened for me. Okay, so you heard her, you strangled her, and you put her under your bed. But like, now people are looking for her, and you know they're looking for her. So like, just go dump her in the woods somewhere. Just go be like, mom, you know, hey, like, dad's really scary. I really don't want to get in trouble for this. But like, like, mom, right. can you help me? Or literally anything. Just go put her in the driveway. Like, literally anything. But then you came back and you stabbed her. But you didn't just stab her. You stabbed her seven times. And then had the balls to sit there and have a conversation with the police mm-hmm. with her under you. So that's not just a kid freaking out. That's right. that's a kid going back and committing murder. Right. Exactly. Well, before we blab on about any more of our stories, let's blab about some babble. Ooh, that's a good blab about babble. Alliteration, kind of, but not really. It ain't an alliteration. I need babble. I need babble, too. I just said ain't. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, like she said, babble is sponsoring this podcast. Thank you so much. Y'all, do you know what babble is? You should. But if you don't, we're going to tell you. So, okay, look. Y'all know learning a second language or a third or a fourth. Just kidding. I can barely speak English. But 
learning a second language is super hard. We all took it in high school, maybe college, but it never really stuck. Like mm-hmm. I know people that took four years of a language in high school or college and they cannot speak it at all. Why do you look at me when you are saying that? I mean, if the pronunciation fits. <laughs> but thanks to Babbel, you can learn a new language with an app. Yes, and Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you actually use in the real world. It's 15-minute sessions. And like, look, you can do 15-minute sessions on the, well, maybe not on the train. You could do it on the train, but I mean, you got to like speak it. So depends on how you feel about speaking to people, you know, what people can hear you, but you do it on the toilet. You could do it in the car. Trains, toilets, automobiles. All the places. While you're traveling to the place that you need to speak that other language, you can learn more about it. And there are 14 different languages to choose from. Spanish, French, Italian, German, everything. But what's really cool is that Babbel uses a speech recognition technology that helps you improve your accent and your pronunciation. Because that's the hardest part about learning a new language is saying it in your current accent. And you're like, I know this isn't right. And you feel like you sound like weird saying it, but Babbel helps you because they teach you how to do the accent. And we know we all learn in different ways. And with Babbel, there's so many different lessons. So you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes if that's how you learn. And the best part about it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. And that speaks the language of everybody. So start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. So to save up to 60% off your subscription, go to babbel.com slash creep. That's babbel.com slash creep for up to 60% off your subscription. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash creep for up to 60% off. C-R-E-E-P. So tell me what you think. Yeah, I. Oh, this one is just one of those that sticks with you for sure. I understand him freaking out. It doesn't make it right. But I know like my cousin, his dad was strict and we would just be like, is that your dad? If he was being bad in any way, we would just say, is that your dad? Like coming up the road because you can kind of see it. It was in a, like a horse shape drive and he would like stand tall, like whoop at attention. And like that was a thing because he was, you know, he didn't want to get punished. Probably shouldn't say that, but oh well. <laughs> uh-huh. well. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah. But uh, but that was ingrained in him. You Absolutely. Know? So I understand that, holy shit, I am going to be in such trouble. And we're selfish and we think about us. We're not thinking about this kid. We're thinking about, well, when she goes home and tells her parents, they're going to tell mine and I'm going to be in trouble. Well, and study after study after study shows the effects of spanking on kids and how it really, like... It causes in the brain, like, the same trauma that people experience at war. Wow. So, yes, does he have this trauma related to his abuse and his fear of his father and all of that? Again, yes, absolutely. And I can understand that. If the beginning part of his story is 100% true, I completely can understand why it would happen. Should he still be punished for it? 100. Absolutely. My issue, well, the whole thing's my issue, but my biggest thing happens when 
after he puts her in the, the bed and he goes about his evening so his parents don't know he comes back and mm-hmm. stabs her right that's the part where it's like no yeah you knew what you were doing there you made a decision this wasn't an impulse decision where you're like oh my god she won't be quiet and you strangle her no you made a choice to get your knife go to her body pull back whatever the setup of the fucking bed was we can't figure out and stab her seven times right you knew what you were doing And then to be in the middle of all of that, knowing that her parents are pleading for her return and all of that and to not have any remorse in that situation to say, oh, yeah, this is bigger than me just being punished by my dad. And then you also helped. So you wanted to look good Uh and help and all the things like you absolutely knew what you were doing. Right. And you should be punished accordingly. Yeah. Again, I really think it wasn't premeditated because that just sounds like something that would happen. An eight-year-old being like, no, play with me, play with me, play with me. And you're like, fine, I'll play with you. And then, because hello, he he probably was lonely too. And was like, yeah, I get to play with someone. Okay, sure. You know, all right. But then, of course, he ends up hurting her, like hitting her, you know, whatever, by an accident. And then... She's going to cry because, hello, it hurts. Like, I know (laughs) it hurts. (laughs) And you do, you cry, and then she's eight. So she's crying, you know, and, like, it doesn't matter if you're like, hey, shut up. (laughs) You're like, I can't, it hurts. You know what I mean? So, and then just think about how we get when our dog won't stop barking or something. You know, you're just like, please stop barking. (laughs) Like, please stop. You know, it's just like, it's that stress. Where I don't know what to do. But see, I am not like a violent person. So I'm just like, I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, you know, you just go inward. But he went outward and he strangled her, but then concealed the body and stuff. And that I just feel like, I feel like if you killed her, I feel like that should have broke your like psychosis or whatever you were in mm-hmm. and been like, oh, fuck. What did I just do? Oh, my gosh. Like, let me, let me, like, try to remedy this. Let me try to, like, save her. But no, like, you tried to get away with it. Yeah, he's, he's right where he needs to be. And he needs to stay there forever. Yeah. Again, it really sucks. But it's the aftermath. Like, that just kind of shows your true colors. And it's not something that I would want anyone to be around my kids. Or I don't want you to be my neighbor. You trying to come up with Mr. Rogers. You don't know me at all. Uh-huh. Well, y'all tell us what you think about Donna's story and tell us what you think about old Joshua. Thank y'all so much for listening and supporting the podcast. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get, get scared. scared.